Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash citizens. Good evening, Citizens Youth. How are you guys? Good to see you. Um, I, I think I'm ready to preach. Though I admit my, my feelings are a little hurt, you know, like betrayed maybe. Um, I'm sure you guys, ooh, I'm sure you guys have experienced where like you thought someone loved you and then they voted for someone else to be the rap battle champion. Like, have you guys ever had that feeling? We're like, I thought we were here and then I'm going to vote for your arch enemy, your, your lifelong rival. So um, you guys didn't like my raps, huh? Thanks, bud. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go original and not do Dr. Seuss next time. So, um, hey, good to be with you guys. Glad you're here. Third week in a row, back in person, and we're just keeping our fingers crossed. We are wearing our masks. We're social distancing because we don't want to mess it up. So uh, these are small little prices to pay for the opportunity to get to be together. So uh, for those of you who are new, we are Citizens Youth. Citizens Youth is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We are a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. And so my prayer is that as you guys come here, you would find community, okay? You would find belonging in a world that is divisive, in a world that is drawing lines, saying, you're there, I'm here. I pray that you would come and you would find friends, that you would find like-minded people and you would belong and you would sharpen one another like iron sharpens iron. We're a community of students, but we are also learning to live for Jesus. And so, hey, This is no secret. My prayer is that you guys would learn the most important thing that you can possibly learn in this life. And that is living for Jesus Christ is the only way. It's the only way. And so as you guys seek truth, some of you are here because you grew up in church. Some of you are here maybe for the first time and you've never even walked into a church before. That's okay. We're all on a journey and we are all trying to figure out what truth is. Who is our creator? What is the purpose of life? And so every week we look to this. Every week we look to the Bible because we believe it's God's word. We believe it's not just like your math textbook. It's not just like your chem book. How many AP students got your your scores back? Give me a thumbs up if you were happy about your AP scores. Give me like a so-so if you were a little bit disappointed. Give it up for all of our APers. Good job. (laughs) Middle schoolers are like, what's AP? You'll see. (laughs) All the high schools moan, you'll see. So um, anyway, this is not like your AP textbook. Like God actually speaks to us as we open this up. He teaches us about himself. He teaches us about us and who we are and what we're like. So we're gonna do that tonight. We're gonna do that um, in our sermon series called Unfinished. But here's the irony. We've been going through the book of Philippians. The name of the series is Unfinished. And tonight we finish Unfinished. I guess, never mind. All right. You're like, that's not even funny, Sam. All right, it's okay. I'll get better, I promise. Um, we're finishing Unfinished, but, but here's the thing. I, um, I want to tell you guys a secret, but I need to know that you guys are cool with secrets. Like, do you guys want to hear a secret? How many of you guys, like, like, you're like, I don't need to know something, but as soon as it's a secret, you're like, tell me now. Anybody like that? You cannot stand being outside of a secret. All right. How many of you are like, oh, if it's a secret, I don't even want to know because I'm like principled and I have character. And like secret secrets are no fun. It's like, can I tell you something? Sure, it's a secret. Nope. How many of you run from secrets like they're the plague? 
You avoid secrets. Secret secrets are no fun. They are no fun for everyone. Um, okay, all right. Well, I'm gonna tell you a secret, but do you promise to not tell anyone? Raise your hand if you promise. Raise your hand if you at least think about it. Raise your hand if you say, I'm going to share your secret. What? Oh! All right. Well, you know, I'm going to tell you any because it's actually not my secret to tell, all right? Tonight, in our final passage of the book of Philippians, we are going to learn a secret. And as a matter of fact, I hope you tell everybody you know about this secret. So Drew, there you go. I wanted you to tell it. Reverse psychology, bruh, all right? Tonight, I'm going to tell you a secret. Tonight, you are going to learn the secret about money. The secret is not money's bad. <laughs> that is not the secret. You're like, I already know the secret. I have none of it. That's not a secret. Um, <laughs> that's not a secret. Um, I'm going to college to make money. Yeah, that's a, nah, that's a lie, not a secret. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go to college. Um, all right, we're going to learn the secret about money tonight. And um, it's good, man. It's good. Those of you who just graduated high school, this is super pertinent. Upper, upperclassmen, super pertinent. You just got your first job at Chick-fil-A, super pertinent, okay? But maybe you're in middle school. Maybe, it's like announcement hour. Hi, I work at Chick-fil-A. Hi, Tiffany. Um, dude, and so um, maybe you're in middle school, freshman, sophomore, and you're like, oh, turn off. I don't, need, I don't even deal with money. I don't need to know. You need to know. You need to know, because one day you will have money. And even before then, there are things in this life that are wealth to you. The sneakers you walk in, the jeans you wear, the icy drip that you deck yourself out in with the bling and it's fire, yo. Maybe that's why I didn't win the rap battle. I didn't drop enough slang in my, next time, dude. Next, next time. Um, and so you need to pay attention because what Paul says to us, no matter your age, no matter how much money you have in the bank, this is important. So are you guys ready? Yeah. Do you want to learn the secret about money? Yeah. For real, for real? Yeah. You're just saying that, aren't you? Yeah. All right, all right, I'm going to tell you. So open up your Bibles. Um, when you come here to Citizens, you want to have your Bible, so open up your phone, scroll through. Any, like, are you guys a single finger scroller or a double finger scroller? Show me, show me which one you do, double finger or single finger? Okay. What if it's super long, though? What if it's super long? Oh, thumbs? Okay. All right. I've been trying this, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work because my knuckles are too large, so I just, like, start getting friction between, and I got, like, chafing, knuckle chafing. Never mind. All right. We only got one passage today. You don't have to, you don't have to double scroll too bad. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 10. When you got it, say, whoop. Here we go. Read along. This is Paul speaking to the Philippians for the final time in this book. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the, I have learned the, of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, and I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The first thing Paul teaches us here, out of the three, the first thing we see from these couple of verses is that when you are in the family of God, your money, our money, does not determine our joy. Our money 
does not determine our joy. And so look what happens here. The Philippians, they love their boy Paul, right? They want to take care of him. They are concerned for him and they prove it through a super generous financial gift, right? They find out that he's in jail. They find out that things are a little bit tight. And they're like, yo, did you hear about Paul? Yeah, he's in prison. What? He's locked up? Yo, Paul, we got you. And so they write him a check. They give it to Epaphroditus. And he literally carries it across the, the ancient world. I'm just trying to do that at least once a week just to keep things fresh, you know? Like imagine running across the ancient world, though, in slow motion. He's like still running 2,000 years later. You can go and see Epaphroditus running. I'm kidding. Anyway, he runs across, well, he goes across the world. He brings him a financial gift. He brings him a check. And Paul says, he goes, wow, I got that gift and I rejoiced. Thank you, Philippians, for thinking about me. Thank you for your concern. He's like, no doubt, you've always been concerned about me. You've always wanted to take care of me. And now you've had a chance. And so he's holding the money in his hand and he says, thank you for your generosity. He's thankful. How would you feel if you got a check in the mail? Woohoo. <laughs> Woohoo. <laughs> That's good. Show me the face you would make if you just got a big check in the mail. Right? That would be, you're wearing a mask. This is the face I would make. <laughs> right? How would you feel, right? It's like, hey, Olivia, I just heard you were as broke as a joke. I got you. And we just wrote you a $10,000 check. Hey, Garrett, heard that you had like moths flying out of your pockets. I got you. Hey, Jordan, I saw your sneakers. I got you, you know? And so, oh, that, that was really audible. Oh, I'm sorry, Jordan, your, your sneakers are on fleek. So you find out, you get a check in the mail. You're super thankful. That's Paul. But he's thankful. But, he goes, yes, I appreciate the financial gift. Yes, I rejoice greatly. But let me make something clear here. My financial situation does not determine my joy. Oh, Paul, shh, Paul, 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 Paul. Most people just say thank you. <laughs> Paul's holding me. He's like, wow, let me teach you a lesson. This means nothing for my joy. And you're like, oh, Paul, Paul, Paul. Most people say thank you. And Paul's like, no, no, no. I'm grateful, but as I hold this gift, I want to teach you a lesson. As I hold this gift, the teacher that I am cannot miss out on any opportunity to teach you about this money and what this means in your relationship with the Lord. And I'm glad he kind of, I'm glad, I'm glad he kind of does that a little bit because here's how things typically work in our world, okay? In our world, how many of you guys have a bank account? I'm just curious. Raise your hand if you have a bank account. Now put your hand back down if you have less than $100 in your bank account. Ah, nice job. Okay, okay. $200. Three, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that, all right? But <laughs> I'm crazy today, right? So here's our bank accounts, right? Our bank accounts, we get paid, whoop, and then we go to BlackRock, whoop, right? And then, and then we get paid, whoop, and then we go to Chick-fil-A, whoop, and then our mom tells us, that we got to pay our own cell phone. What? Right? And we got to pay our own car. And, and this is what money's happening, right? Our money is always fluctuating, right? Sometimes it's just like, you can't even see it no more. Like, where'd my money go? Exactly. And so your money is doing this thing here. And so here's how often it happens, right? As your money moves up and down, 
your joy moves up and down, right? These are directly connected, your money and your joy. And these are intrinsically connected. And the world says, if you got a joy problem, if you want to fix this one, then you need to raise this one. That's how it works. Hey, I got the mic here, kid, all right? Don't make me beat you up from six feet away. All right. So that's what the world says. And so what Paul says, he goes, hey, as I hold the money in my hand, let me teach you a lesson here. My money or my joy, my contentment is actually not connected to my money. He says, that's not me. And students, if you're in Christ, if you're in the family of God, that doesn't need to be you either. He says, my bank account does not determine my joy. He says, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. No matter what my finances are doing, no matter what is happening in my bank account, it does not touch my joy. It doesn't touch my joy. He goes, if the thermometer says high, if the thermometer says low, joy. If the thermometer says I have plenty, if the thermometer says you're eating rice and beans and PB&J again, joy. If the thermometer says abundance and need, joy. If the thermometer says whatever it is, he says, I am content. I'm content. This is not normal. This is not the way our world works. Maybe you've experienced this kind of stress and this kind of lack of joy and the fluctuation in your own household. Maybe you have friends and teenagers who's like, oh, finances, oh, finances. And whatever's happening in their wallet, the condition of their bank account determines the condition of their hearts. This, This may even seem impossible for what Paul is saying, but he has learned the secret. I wanna share it with you. He's learned the secret of being content. He knows how to be brought high. He knows how to be brought low. And do you know why this doesn't affect this for him? Well, let's look at the secret. Look what he says. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And here's the secret, students. The heart, the heart that is set on Christ is always content. The heart that is set on Christ is always content. See, his content, his joy, his contentment is actually not based on his money. His joy is based on his relationship with Christ. You see that there? And here's the thing. That never moves. That never fluctuates. The reality is the Lord has brought you into his family. God, the father has forgiven you of your sins and he's washed you clean. It never changes. He's given you a new identity and the world wants to label you according to your sins. And he says, I label you, you're a son or daughter of the creator that never changes. He brings you into his family and he adopts you and he puts his Holy Spirit inside of you. And so even in those moments of life where you feel lonely and isolated, he's with you. That never changes. He gives you a new community because not only is he your father, but everybody else who calls him father is now your brother and sister. That never changes. The truth of the gospel never wavers. His mercy and grace never run out. 
And so my question for you as we look at the thermometer students is to what is your joy tied? What is your joy tied to? What are those things in life that if I move them, I can affect your joy? If the world moves them, we can affect your joy. What is your joy tied to? What is your contentment tied to? You're like, well, it's not money, Sam. This sermon's not for me. I don't have any money. Okay, but is it other things of the world? The things in the world that are always changing? The amount of friends you have. When you have a lot of, when you have a lot of friends, you're joyful. And when you don't, you're not. Maybe your joy is tied to your grades. I got an A. Life is good. I'm content. I didn't get an A. I don't really like life anymore. You see, those things change all the time. And my prayer for you tonight is that you would learn the secret of ultimate contentment. And the secret is that your joy needs to be tied to the unchanging goodness of God. Learn the secret of facing high and low. Set your heart on Christ, on the unchanging presence of the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul did. The condition of his finances did not affect the condition of his joy, the contentment of his heart. So he's holding the money in his hand and the Philippians are like, bro, we just wrote you a dope check, right? All right, all right, all right. So that's Paul, right? But let's not forget what the Philippians did, okay? He's, ho- he's still holding the money that they gave him. So let's not forget what they did because it was super generous. And we're reminded of it here, of this extremely generous gift as we keep going. He says, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. Oh, okay, he said, thank you. Okay, cool. It was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Why did they do that? Why did the Philippians give him their hard-earned money? Why did they get a collection together and give broke as a, or jo- broke as a joke Paul in prison their money? Why did they do that? Because in God's family, we share more than just the good. You see, God's family shares in the good and the bad. I mean, we gotta be real here. If we're looking at Paul's money, the thermometer was low. I'm not going to break it. The thermometer was low. Okay. Like I said, he was in prison. Things are tight and no other church was helping him out financially. Cause you know, he would go around, he would preach for them. They'd take an offering. He was a guest speaker. He's not guest speaking. No church is contributing. And the Philippians, they've heard about this. They've always been generous toward Paul. And now once again, they have decided, he says to share my Trouble. Everybody say share. Share. What a strange word here. We share our goods, right? We share in the fun. We share together. He says, you decided to share my trouble. Share. We've actually seen this word a lot in our book, but it's hiding. It's incognito. This is the same word that we've seen from the very beginning called fellowship. Fellowship of the rings? No. Different fellowship. 
We had an illustration where we had the table set up with all the dinner plates. And fellowship means that the idea that we are sitting in this together and we are partaking in the gospel together. We are partaking in the faith together. And now we see the Philippians are partaking. They are sharing, not in the good, in the bad, together. So it's like, yo, pass the gospel bread. I got you. Hey, give me some faith brownies. I got you. And we're sharing in all this together. But then someone who is sitting at their table, one of the people that they love, a member of their dearest community, Paul, he has a need. And they say, Paul, we're going to share even in your need together. Because in the family of God, we don't just share in the triumphs. We share in the trouble. And so Paul, if you're experiencing that burden, we got you. If you have a need, we got you. We will share in this together. We will experience this with you. And so he says it here. You sent me help for my needs once and again. Students, I'm going off on this right now because you're young, you come to church, and it's so easy, especially in America, to think church is what you do, just like I exercise, I eat well, I go to school, I go to church, and I become a well-rounded person. Church is not a place you go. Church is not a building you attend. Church is a people. And we as a people, we are the family of God. When you see somebody in the grocery store, it's like, oh, I've seen that person. They go to my church. No, they're a part of my family. Oh, I, I saw that person in my school. I think they go to my church. No, they're a part of your family but I don't know them. Exactly. That's why we're doing what we do here because it doesn't make sense for God in all of eternity to see that we are a family and for us to not be in community, right? It's like, I don't really care to know her. Oh, really? Her name is next to yours in the book of life. You get it? That's why we prioritize community. That's why we destroy disunity. That's why we don't allow drama and hurt feelings to fester up in between us. That's why we are quick to apologize. We are quick to repent. We are quick to forgive and offer grace because we're a family. And in the family, we share in this thing together. Life is hard, students. You're like, I know I'm in seventh grade. You laugh, but like seventh grade is hard when you're in seventh grade, you know? Dude, eighth grade, eighth grade was dope because you were like the top of the food chain. And then freshman year, you're like, I'm such a scrawny little fish. I'm like a minnow when the sharks are gonna eat me. And you're like, dude, like it's hard. You know what I mean? And it's easy for us as adults to forget what it was like, you know? And we just go, ah, oh, you'll get over it in six years. And you're like, I'm only 12. That's like half my life. And it's like, dude, life is hard. Family is messy. Emotions suck. Hormones double suck. But guess what? God has given us a family to share in this together. Not just the good, not just the camp highs and the fun, but even the bad. So God has given us a family to share, to partake in our needs together. And that even includes financial giving. And so maybe you don't understand this yet, but I'm gonna teach you how things work in the church. I'm a pastor do you know how I get paid every week, every other week? The people in our congregation every week, they take their hard-earned money. They put it in a bucket. They count it in the back room and it goes into the church's bank account. 
the church now has money because of the generous donations of their people. They give me some of the money so that I can buy food for my family, so that I can buy a table to put the food on, so that I can buy a roof to cover the food that's on the table that I bought, so that I can have enough energy to drive a car and come to work to make money by the sweat of my brow for my family. You see the circle of life going on here? Why do I say that? Because we're the family and we, and we care for those among, we pay for ministers, right? But not only that, so some of the money goes to the pastoral staff. Some of the money goes into what we call a mercy ministry fund because there are people in our congregation all the time that lose their jobs. There are people that things are a little bit tight because, because um, you know, uh, uh, the, the check hasn't come in for the child support or this, or I lost my job or whatever it is, or there was an unexpected bill or, oh my gosh, my kid just broke his arm and now we have a $10,000 hospital bill. Guess how we help them? Well, because the church is just loaded and they have a huge trust fund from which they draw upon all of these fiduciary responsibilities. And No, it's the people who put the money in the bucket. And so we put money in a bucket so that when one of us is in need, we as the family of God can share in that. We have a number of you who every year, if it wasn't for a camp scholarship, you wouldn't be able to go to camp. How do, how do we get that scholarship money? How do we raise $10,000 every summer so that you can go to camp when you can't afford it? Because the family of God puts their money in a bucket. That sounds wild, doesn't it? Like, that's not a business plan. Hey, I have an idea for an organization. We're gonna be loaded. We're going to pass buckets. And people are going to put money in a bucket. <laughs> only God. Genius, right? It's only the family of God like that. And so we come together to take care of our own. That's the point. Financially, emotionally, relationally, that's how the family's supposed to work. And so we'll get there. When I end, we're gonna talk about giving and we're gonna talk about how we as a youth group, even though we're teenagers, we're a part of the family. What can we do? And we're gonna talk about that, okay? We'll talk about that. But first I want us to see that God designed us to be a place. It designed us to be a family where we can share in each other's good and each other's bad. So that's what the Philippians did for Paul, right? And he was super grateful. He appreciated the financial gift. He's like, whoa, thank you. That's a blessing. But here's my question for you. As we look at the last few verses, riddle me this. As you read the last few verses, why does Paul seem more excited for the givers than he does for the receiver? I'm curious. He's like, whoa, thank you. I'm so excited for you. I'm like, what? So I thought about that. And I want you to think about it as we read the last verse here, okay? He says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. He's talking about them now. Why? Because, students, you are as blessed when you give as you are when you receive. Raise your hand if you think it would be a blessing if you got a check right now in the mail. Right? You're like, it wouldn't be a blessing. You want 100 bucks? Yes. <laughs> How many of you would be blessed right now? You would feel deeply blessed and loved and cared for if somebody just gave you 300 bucks? Yup, 
right? Like, this is a trick question. I'm walking right into his trap. No, that would be a blessing. But here's the point. Do you know that the person who gives you that money is just as blessed as you who receive it? Like, I don't believe you, Sam. I'd rather be the one receiving the money. Let me prove it to you. Look at the text, okay? He says right here, three ways that giving blesses us. I'm gonna show you three ways. Everybody put it up. Right, three ways that giving blesses us, okay? The first one is this. Giving makes a difference. I'm gonna show it to you, okay? Look what he says. He says, he's pumped for the gift. He's grateful for the gift, but he's even more pumped for the fruit that increases to your credit. You're like, he's going to buy bananas with the generous gift. That is not how I would have spent the money. No, no, no. Fruit means results, okay? The fruit of your labor results. So he says, thank you for the gift, but I'm even more pumped that your gift is going to have a lasting impact in the kingdom of God. You get it? The gift you gave was a contribution. It was like a seed planted in the ground and that seed is going to be and there's gonna be fruit that are there because you planted the seed and you invested. He goes, I'm pumped because that's gonna be to your credit. That's on you. And so students, when we give, when you give your money and you drop it in the bucket, when you send your money overseas to a missionary, when you give your money to the Salvation Army Santa Claus, because who can say no to Santa? When you give your money in God's kingdom to see his work grow, to see the gospel advance forward, you are making a contribution and that contribution makes a difference. And you get to have the satisfaction of knowing that you have invested in something that will last for all eternity. There's a family I know, they're here, and they give $1,000 every summer for kids to go to camp. I've been here for eight years. How many thousands of dollars have they invested over the last eight years? They're so smart. Do you know what you can buy for $8,000? A car? What else can you buy for $8,000? How many Air Force Ones can you buy for $8,000? Yo, all the ones you need, right? You can buy so many shoes. You can buy, you know how many cell phones you could buy for $8,000? Eight. Right? But yo, here's the thing. Here's the thing. In three years, that cell phone is trash. In six months, your sneakers are wrecked. In a couple of years, whatever you bought materially, you don't even remember anymore. But guess what? The students who heard the gospel because of that scholarship, you guys are still here right now. And guess what? You're gonna grow up and you're gonna have babies. And those babies are gonna grow up in the church and they're gonna go to camp and they're gonna get baptized and they're gonna grow up and they're gonna have and those babies are going to grow up and they're going to have, and it's just a baby train, baby. All because somebody donated $1,000 to a camp. Who's more blessed? You who got to go to camp or that person who knows that for all of eternity, that fruit is to their credit, right? You're blessed when you give because you're making a contribution and you know that that contribution is going to last. Let's keep going. I'm going to convince you more. Three ways giving blesses us. Number one, it makes a difference. The second thing, look what he says. He says, giving is pleasing to God. How many of you say, I want to please God with my life? Like all jokes aside, how many of you say, dude, like if I can live my life and make God smile on my existence, I'm, I'm satisfied. Yep, your boy's right here. I want to please God. 
To be honest, sometimes I want to please man more. To be honest, sometimes I'm a little bit too influenced by peer pressure. I'm a little bit too influenced by what people think of me. But by the grace of God, I'm growing. And I want to be a man who says, if God is happy, I don't care what nobody thinks. But we're getting there, right? We're getting there. So if you want to please God, look what you can do. He says, I've received the gifts you sent. How were my gifts, Paul? They were beautiful. No, look what he says. They were a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. He's using this Old Testament imagery where people would bring their hard-earned money or their hard-earned ox, right? And they cut ox and they bring ox and they put ox on altar, right? In Israel, this is how they did it, right? And I'm from Israel. I only have like two accents, forgive me, right? And they bring the animals and they bring the livestock and they, and they bring, that's the same thing. They bring um, the grain, they bring the birds, the dove. Whatever it is, they would kill it, they would cook it, and, they, and not to eat it, they would cook it because the smell would go up and they say, Lord, all of my livestock is yours. I'm gonna give you some as a reminder that it's all yours anyway. And as people would smell, like, you know when you go to a cookout and you're like, they're making burgers. You know what I mean? That smell, you're like, ah, they got, they got hot dog. Oh, you know, they got, ah, they got, Brats, right? They got, they got corn on the cob. Can you smell corn on the cob when it's grilling? Yeah, you know. And then you associate that smell with a cookout. Well, in Israel, you would start to smell the ox. You would smell the lamb and you go, wow, that is an aroma that is pleasing to God because God loves when we worship him with our material goods. And so Paul's like, you don't bring ox. You didn't bring dove, no grain but you gave me a financial gift and that in itself was a gift that was pleasing to the Lord. It's an expression of faith. It's an expression of reliance and it's an expression of love. We say, Lord, I love you. I rely on you. I have faith in you. And that makes God smile. That makes God smile. You wanna please God? Good news, you are blessed when you give. When you give your money, guys, you are helping provide for the ministry, right? You are helping provide. We're putting our finances together. We're making it a regular part of the way that we worship God. Yes, we're paying for the electricity, the lights. How do we pay the light bill? Because people put money in a bucket. Yes, we're paying for those things. We pay for the, for all the, we pay for the, the outreach and the scholarships. But more importantly than that, your money is worshiping God. The church doesn't pay me. The church gives to the Lord. The Lord takes care of me. The church doesn't pay the light bill. The church gives to the Lord. The Lord keeps the lights on, right? It's God's money. So if you want to please the Lord, good news, you are blessed when you give. Third and final reason. Are you guys convinced yet? I promise, I'm not lying to you. You are as blessed when you give as when you receive. It feels good to receive 300 bucks, doesn't it? Right? I promise you guys, as you get older, it feels even better to give 300 bucks. I'm not lying to you. I know that sounds bonkers. You are just as blessed when you give when you receive. It feels good. Why? Because it's prideful and I get to be the one in charge. No, because it's pleasing to God and because it makes a difference. And number three, because when you give, uh, it reveals God's care for you. When you give, it's an act of reliance on God, right? And so Paul is confident that when you rely on God like this, you will not be disappointed. So let me give you an illustration here, okay? 
I have food in my hand. Everybody look at the food. You see it? What's in my hand? Hamburger. Hot dog. Corn on the cob. What? Lollipop. Pepperoni. (laughs) Bottle of ketchup. All right, I have food in my hand. All right, here we go. I have two options. I have two options, right? Two options. I can close my hand so that I can feed myself or I can give it to the Lord and trust that he will feed me. And there's a lot of people in the world that go, if I give that away, who will take care of me? And here's what happens when you give. When you give, it is an act of reliance to go, if I don't feed me, I trust that God will. And Paul is so stinking excited because he says every single person who does this as an act of faith will never be disappointed. Never. Look what he says here. He says, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory. You will find students that your trust was well-placed. God will care for you. He will supply every need of yours. He is your heavenly father. He will not let you go hungry. He will clothe you. He will take care of you. He will provide for you. Matthew chapter six, do not be anxious, worrying. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Said every teenager ever. (laughs) Where's my food gonna come from? Where's my drink gonna come from? Where are my Gucci jeans? Right? I don't know what you wear. Juicy jeans, lucky jeans, Jinko jeans, whatever the jeans, right? He goes, don't be anxious about that. The Gentiles, the non-believers in God, they seek after all these things, but your heavenly father knows that you need them all. Students, he's your father. And because he's your father, he cares for you. Sometimes it's hard to preach about money to teenagers because on the one hand, you're like, maybe they don't get it because they don't have a lot of money. On the other hand, this is the perfect time to teach you because it's a lot easier. Have you guys ever seen The Karate Kid? Oh, wax on, wax off. What do you do? Paint the fence, right? Paint the fence. No Karate Kid fans in here? I'm about to retire. Give me a little paint the fence if you've seen Karate Kid. Keep painting the fence if, you've only, if you have only seen the Jalen Smith version. Jaden, I've heard it both ways. Oh my gosh, all right, good, good, good. So you've seen the classics, all right? So what do you do? You build muscle memory, paint the fence, scrub the deck, wax the car, whatever it is, right? It's a lot easier to learn to trust God when you have a hundred bucks. And you're like, I'm going to put money in the bucket. <laughs> I have $5 in the bucket. Wax on, wax off, wax on, wax off. <laughs> trust God, trust God. When you start adding zeros to that, friends, it gets harder. And so don't be the one who says, when I have more money, I'll start giving. When I have more money, I'll start contributing. When I have more money, I'll start trusting God. When I have more money, then I'll start making a difference in investing. Wax on. Practice, it's a muscle. Practice relying on God now. And you will be like David in his old age. He says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. You said Godfather earlier, you got me. I had to squeeze it in there somewhere, bro. I'm sorry. 
Raise your hand if you've seen The Godfather. Don't do it. I can't ask you that question. Don't, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> Invest in eternity. See how the Lord provides for you. See how the Lord provides for you and please the Lord with your giving. And you will say with me and you'll say with Paul for the rest of our lives, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen, amen. And so here's how we're gonna respond tonight. And then we're just gonna hang out in the backyard, some late night games. Maybe we can do some like spontaneous rap battles in the parking lot. If you wanna come at Tolly, somebody wanna avenge me and just decimate her. But um, here's how we're gonna respond, right? We're gonna give, right? Not just one time. Like we, we, from now, I'm calling for, I'm challenging you. I'm setting the stake in the ground. We are going to institute a culture of giving, okay? And so part of our gathering from now on, when we get together, we're gonna start doing offering. You know, on Sunday mornings, like the ushers come and they take offering. We're not gonna do the ushers and stuff because those buckets, um, I just did my whole sermon about the bucket. We're not even gonna pass the bucket, okay? But here's what we're gonna do. Well, at some point in the gathering, we'll give direction. If you want to just do it as you come in, maybe as you go out, down here in the front, we have giving boxes, all right? And you can put cash right in the giving box or even better, if you really want to start uh, gaining some muscles, you can start learning about um, church giving for your tax statements and you can put your name on the envelope and then put it in. And then at the end of the year, you get a little giving statement. It's like, you gave $35 this year. And you're like, mom, what do I do with this? And she's like, give it to the president. It's for your taxes, okay? And it's just awesome, right? I know your mom. And so um, that's what we do. So we have one down here in the front, one down there at the front, two in the back. But we want to be a culture of giving, okay? A generous culture. Why? to practice giving to the Lord because you are just as blessed when you give as when you received. I promise you students, that's true. And so each week as you come, grab your Bible, grab your journals, grab your pens and grab your offering. I don't know how much to give. How much do I give? I don't, how much is too much? Well, tell you what, the, in the New Testament, it doesn't tell you exactly how much to give, but I'll tell you this, every godly person that I see in the Bible, 10% is like a good starting point. It's ever since a starting point. So you make 50 bucks for mowing the neighbor's lawn, five bucks. Move the decimal point, one over, 10%, all right? And so you practice, you give five bucks. You can give on Wednesday nights. You can give on Sunday mornings. It's all going to the same spot. You make a hundred bucks because you waxed the car and painted somebody's fence and scrubbed the deck, right? You give 10 bucks, right? You start there. And then you know what? The challenge that I've given to myself every year, I up it just a little bit more and a little bit more. It's just a personal challenge. You do that with your parents. You figure out how you want to give. But it's just a discipline, just like reading your Bible, just like praying, just like fasting, just like turning off your phone and practicing silence, just like shutting out your friends and practicing solitude. It's just habits and disciplines that we do to be closer to the Lord and to know him. Amen? Is that cool? Do you guys like this? Did you learn something tonight? All right, so stand to your feet. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to respond with singing. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for, for your goodness. Your word is good, Lord. It's practical. It teaches us so many good things. And so, Lord, I pray that 15 years from now, that there would be a score of adults in this community who are generous with their giving because they started when they were 15 here. 
Father, I pray for the next generation of students, 10, 15, 20 years from now, I pray that you would provide scholarships for those kids going to camp 20 years from now because of the people in this room who wanna make a difference in eternity. Because they went to camp on a scholarship and they've learned that it's actually even more of a blessing to give than it is to receive. So Lord, would you draw us nearer to yourself? Would we know you through the joy of giving? Teach us the secret about money, Lord. May our joy not be connected to our finances, but to our relationship with you in Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord. We give you our evening. Be with us, bless us, teach us and transform us. In Jesus' name, amen.